The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. He took it out. Monday edition of PFTOT, where we get to some of the things we weren't able to get to during our two-hour program on NBCSN. And Chris, I want to start with the acknowledgement from over the weekend by the NHL that when, and I guess there's still a tiny element of if, they resume their season with a 24-team postseason that will be a chase for the Stanley Cup. They plan to test players every day. And some people are surprised by that. But look, the locker room, Petri dish, especially hockey and football. If somebody's sick, if somebody's positive, even if you're not sick, you can still have the virus. It's going to run through that locker room quickly. So every day, yes, you need to be sure the players are negative. And I'm a believer you have to make sure they're negative as they leave the facility. You don't want to unleash them on the community after they've become positive while they're at work. So test them on the way in, test them on the way out every single day. That's what the NFL is going to have to be ready to do. And the NFL has the benefit of watching these other sports. Watch and see what happens with the NHL. Watch and see what happens with the other sports. But I think it's a no-brainer. You've got to test everyone before they go into the building every given day. That doesn't mean you have to test them on the days they stay at home. But when they come back to work the next day, you better test them before you let them in. Yeah, well, I I think the first thing is, Mike, I mean, you're right. I want to see Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL get going a little bit to set some sort of precedence uh, precedence for the NFL or for any business going forward. But, yeah, selfishly, you and I want to see the NFL play football. You know, one for our for our work and jobs and everything like that. But, man, we love football. We love watching it. So it would help if these other organizations would get going to just maybe help out or, you know, iron out some of the wrinkles that you, you could have, the unforeseen circumstances. But I'm with you. I don't know why people are surprised, first off, and the fact that they're surprised players are going to be tested daily. I mean, that that has to happen. I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, one, players aren't going to feel comfortable. I feel like society ultimately won't be feel comfortable if the players are going about that on, a, on an everyday basis. You know? you know, you bring up a good point about twice a day. I'm not so sure that's necessary as long as you're being strict about testing everybody from the get-go when they enter the building, I would hope that would be enough. I would hope we wouldn't have to use two tests per day on a person or whatever it may be. But uh, either way, yeah, I want to see one of these uh, other leagues get going just to start the process and kind of see how it all goes. One thing that I don't know, and at some point I need to get the answer to, is how long it takes to show up that you are positive for the virus once you have it in your body. Because I guess in theory, there's a way that you could test negative, still have it, and then by the time you leave the facility at the end of the day, if you're there 12 hours, right, maybe you are shedding virus and potentially infecting others before you leave. So there's a lot of medical information that needs to be factored into this. And and there still needs to be advances in the testing so you can get an answer. Are you positive? Are you negative? As quickly as you possibly can. So you can can go about your day. You don't want to have somebody sitting in an airlock at the team facility for an hour 
waiting for their their uh, test result. You're going to have a backlog. How many people can get in there as you're testing them on the way in? I mean, these are all logistical things that everyone is going to need to figure out if these sports are going to come off as planned. And, and, and that's why I've constantly been asking the why, how, where, what questions. I don't want football or any other sport, but primarily, Chris, you and I are selfish about football. I don't want football to get to September and they start implementing their plan and then they look around and like, this didn't work. What the hell yeah. are we doing? We can't right. do this. See, see you next year. So I, I'm and, and I'm trusting. I'm trusting. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I'm trusting that people smarter than me and who have a stronger incentive than I do to ensure that football is played this year are figuring this stuff out. And when I remember that these are the folks who brought us pass interference replay review last year, I start to get a little concerned. Well, I, I hear you, but you know, like this is this is where again, this is like to me the conversation. Realistically, like realistically, do we really think all thirty-two teams start of the fall that nobody's going to come down with COVID nineteen again? I mean, I just I don't think there's any way. I, and, and you know, again, this is where I think the NFL and the NFLPA need to start having some more in-depth conversations here. You know, I saw the article you wrote towards the end of last week, right on Friday about Taylor Decker, you know, and I, I, I thank you for referencing me. I know you in the article you wrote how, you know, I've been trying to say for weeks and Taylor Decker kind of said the same thing where he's not personally worried about COVID-19. Yes, he'll respect, you know, the guidelines and he certainly doesn't want to infect anybody else or do anything like that. But he himself, as far as it pertains to himself and affecting him, he doesn't care. And that's to me, Mike, where it just it still comes down to we got to start getting some polling and some questioning out there with the players to know, like, hey, players, if 10 guys in a locker room on a given week all of a sudden test positive, what do you want to do if that happens? Do we want to just quit the season or are we just going to say, hey, the hell with it? We're young and healthy and we're going to push forward. You know, those are the things that I just I, we still don't know. And I don't know. You're right. That's why I want to see these other sports get started, too. So maybe they can deal with the problems and the NFL can come up with, you know, ways to solve it. And, you know, one thing that I said all through the month of April, once the draft comes and goes, the remainder of the offseason rockets by. Maybe right. comes June. June becomes July. July becomes football season. And here we are, first day of June. And there are still plenty of questions but at right. least the NFL will have the benefit of seeing how it unfolds in some of these other sports. And like I said, these folks have a hell of a lot more financial incentive than we do to make sure their product is televised, more importantly than anything else, whether or not fans show up. But uh, th this is all still kind of up in the air. And the problem is with the social unrest consuming so much of the news coverage now, I feel like we've become – not quite desensitized to the coronavirus. We've just kind of forgotten about it. Yeah, a little and, bit. Uh, and you know what? In all these places where there are these protests and people are packed together, I know a lot of them have masks on, but, man, I, I, I just I hope that second wave doesn't come a hell of a lot sooner because of mass gatherings in a bunch of different American cities. But uh, these are all things that are going to unfold as the the summer continues to unfold, and we'll see where it leads us, Chris. But... The NHL planning to test every day. The NFL needs to follow suit. And Taylor Decker echoes something you've been saying ever since this first started. Players want to play. They want to play and they want to get paid. They take risks far more immediate when they walk onto a football field 
than whether right. or not they may end up with COVID-19. So they are just wired to not care about it because they're already wired to not care about the possibility of suffering a serious injury on any given snap in any given game. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, one of the things about the pandemic that actually may help certain teams, the ability of coaches to basically stay home and enter the laboratory and come up with new ways of of running their team, specifically offense, specifically the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury. And this is an item that we have at PFT. It comes from Bob McManaman of the Arizona Republic. Cliff Kingsbury has spent time diving into the college game studying up on offenses, figuring out what's work and it works. And it's got, uh, it's got um, players on that team intrigued by what Cliff Kingsbury is going to ultimately have ready for them when they reconvene and get ready for the season. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is a common theme throughout the NFL right now that coaches are getting to kind of uh, dabble into a little bit more research or do those type of things as far as, looking at other films and incorporating new ideas to their offensive and defensive schemes. You know, the biggest thing is, yeah, there's more time during the day. You know, the guys aren't at the facility. There's not as many coaches meetings. You know, of course, you're not meeting with the players and having to walk through the day is not consumed, you know, the same way. So I think it is allowing some coaches to do some other projects as far as uh, just outside the box thinking. Cliff Kingsbury, hey, this was the big question I had. He answered it for me last year. But one of the reasons I went, well, I'm not so sure this is a great hire by the Arizona Cardinals is just because, hey, Cliff Kingsbury, I just wasn't sure how much offense he knew, really. He kind of was taught that Texas Tech Red Raiders type offense, and I just wasn't sure, is he going to be able to bring more to the table? All right, where he proved me wrong is, one, he stole a lot of ideas from different offenses around NFL football last year. Uh, that, that makes me feel good. That's what a smart human being does. You see other smart human beings doing something that works. You go, huh, let me see if I can steal that and make that work for my team. So he sure, certainly showed that ability. I like that. And then, yeah, I think with Cliff Kingsbury and having a better understanding of what the NFL game is now, 
He probably has a better understanding of what he can and can't steal from the college game now to incorporate into his offense that might be more of effective. And he knows what his offense is going to look like and he, ex- he knows what to expect from defenses. So I'm excited for it too, let alone with you know some new players there in Arizona. It really is amazing that a guy who was questioned by many, probably including us, yeah, me losing sure. Losing record at Texas Tech. What did he do? He had Patrick Mahomes, a guy who may go down as the greatest player of all time. He had Patrick Mahomes, and what the hell did he do? So uh, the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is finding his niche, finding his groove, making it work at the NFL level, it's refreshing to see it. And, and you're right. That lack of ego and pride that will cause, you know, when you, when you have that ego and pride, you've got, you've got coaches who say, I'm doing it my way. I'm right. only doing it my way. The willingness to find other things uh, and use other things, uh, that, that's, that's smart, and uh, it could prove to be very beneficial for the Cardinals. Yeah, de- definitely. And, you know, that's, that's ultimately, you know, what Cliff Kingsbury is, is he's smart. He's a great communicator. He really is. He understands how to talk to people and teach an offense and teach people that aspect of it. So because of that, you know, he really fits the NFL game. He really does. And he understands it that way. And it's a player's league. And I think Cliff Kingsbury understands that as well. But uh, this is a very, you know, intelligent, outside-the-box type uh, type of thinker. And, yeah, Mike, I mean, I saw things last year where I went, I mean, are they ever going to get underneath the center? Oh, I saw Kyle Murray underneath the center. Saw him running 49ers play-action passes and Sean McVay's play-action passes and all these things for me to sit there and go, okay, this guy gets it. He understands that, like, what he did at Texas Tech is not going to work week in, week out, play after play in the NFL. He needs to add more to the arsenal, and he did that. And then I think, you know, again, with some of the aggressive moves they made to get Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins, he has more of a vision of how he wants his offense to really look for this year. So the Cardinals, you know, I know you and you and me both are excited about them this year. I mean, it might not translate to playoffs or a lot of wins because, man, that is some tough division. But uh, nonetheless, I expect them to be a fun team to watch, an exciting team. And I think they are one of those teams in the NFL with like the arrow up. Uh, and it's all going in the right direction there and looking good for the next few years. Think about this. Remember those days when the Cardinals were in the NFC East, for crying out loud, the Arizona Cardinals, for about, what, 15 years or so, after they moved from St. Louis, and they never should have been in the East anyway when they were in St. Louis, but after they moved from St. Louis to Arizona, they were in the NFC East. If they were in there now, they'd be the team to beat. Right. They would be. I I don't know. They're the Cowboys. What well, a rivalry yeah. that would be. Cardinals and Cowboys this year if they played twice and were competing timing for the division is, uh, title. Timing is everything. You know, hey, you're right. You know, again, hey, the 49ers, uh, Joe Montana and them, would they have been the same if they had to play in this NFC West now? I don't know. They got to play in an NFC West that, you know, no, everybody was, you know, no, nobody was that great. So they got to beat up on those teams and be fresh for the playoffs. It used to piss me off as a young kid. I used to sit there going, oh, man, my dad's been killed by Reggie White and the Cowboys and the Redskins, and they're all fighting. And then here comes the 49ers in the playoffs. They're all fresh and feeling good because they just wallop the rest of the NFC West. And then I was always worried about the Giants that way. But, yeah, I, I hear you, and uh, I'm excited. I mean, Murray, Hopkins, Cliff Kingsbury, Isaiah Simmons, Chandler Jones. I mean, they're starting to build some names there and some people we can really kind of latch on to in Arizona that makes, uh, makes them one of the more exciting teams in the NFL. 
By the way, the Cardinals get an opportunity to have a reunion with their NFC East rivals. They play all four of those teams this year, as does the rest of the NFC West. And they also play all the teams of the AFC East. And that brings me back to a point that we've made before. Now that there are three wildcard teams per conference, you get the NFC East, the AFC East. Wouldn't yeah. it be something if we get – and I always – when it comes to this – these these various things the NFL does always like the chaotic outcome and having all four teams from the same division in the playoffs would be awesome. It would be. I, I would mean it would be amazing. It's uh it's it was always cool to see three teams from the same division get in there in the old format to have four teams uh, the, that would be unreal and would lead to some bad blood type games in the playoffs because they're going to have to play each other and as you know when you have to play a team for the third time during a season. Things get personal, and that's always fun to watch on the football field. Do you still hate Joe Montana? No, not at all. I mean, like he. So he, you admit like, that you did. You admit well, that you did. That was a loaded like question. Football, football, football hate. Like football hate. Yes, I mean, yeah, I, you know, the, the 49ers like just irked me. Of course, yeah. I, I look at look at the 49ers and go, I think my dad might have won another Super Bowl or two if it weren't for that damn 49er football team. So. Uh, yeah, they'll always bother me. But as you know, there's someone there now that I like, so I tend to root for the 49ers now. The, uh, the, the Giants, the year that they won the Super Bowl in 86, that was, you know, that was like one year after the 85 Bears. It was like this dominant team with this great defense. Like back-to-back years, two different teams. It was just odd to see that, that, that consecutive like that for the page to turn so abruptly from right. the Bears to the Giants. And it felt like the Giants were going to have staying power, and they did. They won a Super Bowl just a few years after that. Yeah, well, you know, and really, Mike, you could even further that because the 1984 49ers, they were 15-1 and one too. So it was really like dominant 49ers team who beat the Bears in the playoffs. And then the Bears were like, man, okay, now we know what it takes to be a Super Bowl team. They went and dominate and go 15-1, and one, beat the Giants in the playoffs. The Giants, I've heard my dad and Lawrence Taylor tell the story about how, you know, it made them realize they had to raise their intensity a level. Well, the next year they go 14-2 and two and, you know, kick butt in the playoffs and win the Super Bowl and all that. But that, to me, is like one of the golden ages of the NFL football there. That was a, a time where, man, there was only about five or six teams that you knew could really win the Super Bowl, and they were all in the NFC, and they were all fighting each other on a year-to-year basis. All right, uh, we could keep talking, but we've been talking long enough. We're going to end it until tomorrow. Everybody, check us out at profootballtalk.com. There'll be a new Chris Sims Unbuttoned coming on Tuesday, a new PFT Live coming Tuesday morning. Chris, great work as always. Have a great day, everybody. Be smart, be safe, and uh, let's keep working our way through these issues that have caused so much consternation and controversy in recent days, and let's, let's pray that we can work our way towards some real solutions for the better of everyone, of all Americans, of all human beings. Hopefully we will get there, everyone. Uh, Have a good day, and we'll see you tomorrow. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.